What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com happy birthday to you happy birthday to you Happy birthday, dear Bridie. Happy birthday to you. Um, it is your birthday today, Bridie, and we didn't talk about that in the foreplay. So I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday and tell you that I love you so much and that I'm so excited that you're back on Canadian soil and that I get to see you very, very soon. And if you want to wish Bridie a happy birthday, press pause, go on over to Instagram, go to at Bridie McLean on Instagram and send her a little message of love. Um, she is turning 30, uh, I'm 32, three, four, five. She's turning 36 today. An old woman. <laughs> uh, I love you, babe. Happy birthday. I hope you have the most amazing birthday. Um, even though you'll be on the road. And uh, and to all of you, enjoy this week's episode. Um, we are once again having a little uh, foreplay via Skype and then, and then into our conversation with Eva Clay from Los Angeles. Hope you enjoy it. Happy birthday, baby. And we'll see you on the other side. What was that? 
moving a chair. Ah, oh, okay. Sounded like you were dying for a second. Wait, should I be muting you on my phone? <laughs> I don't know, babe. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> sakes. All right. I mean, muting my microphone on our phone call. What? Okay, so I'm talking to you right now into a microphone attached to my computer. Yes, okay. But I'm also... Oh, no, because then you won't be able to hear me. Right. <laughs> so, listen. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you need to be able to hear me, okay? I can hear <laughs> Okay, great. I need to be able to hear you. All right? The computer also <laughs> needs to hear you through your recording. <laughs> So, so we're good to go is what you're saying. Sure. Now, if, if my voice is being picked up on your mic, then you need to turn me down to the lowest amount possible so that you can okay. still hear me, yeah. but it's not loud enough that it's being picked up on your side. Uh-huh. Holy okay. fuck. I, when are you home? Oh, really, really, really soon. Like, I'll, I don't, I hope I'm going to get home before I go to PEI, but, um, yeah. Okay. Well, like next week. Great. Next week. Great. Yeah. I, next week. I cannot wait <laughs> because this, th- this. I mean, there's a lot of it. You being gone, that's infuriating. But holy moly! But you know what? What is really infuriating is when you're like, I know that that I already know how to do this or I know that this thing is like common sense or like I know that I'm most of the time I know I'm doing every step I'm supposed to do to achieve my desired outcome and like it doesn't work maybe 20% of the time and that's when I go hey this thing doesn't work and someone's like you're bad at that thing (laughs) and it lasts forever so my like Tech, like you know, people. Someone's like, you're forgetful enough times, and you become very forgetful. I know. Right. I know I'm bad at. I know I'm bad at this this stuff, but it's only because it's what's expected of me. I yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you th- really think that? Do you think it's what's expected of you? Um, or do you or do you no. think it's do you think it's your attitude towards those things where you like your brain? You just like you race through it too quickly without without critically thinking. Like get you get you reactive. Yeah. Yeah. I do I think it is reactive. Um wait, what's the question? What are you asking me? I, I think this is a great question. It, I think this is a great you, question. Yeah, you do? Okay. Do you, is that what you think it is, that you're being reactive and that's why you, you have a challenge with technology a lot? Well, I mean, if you you know, there's that like that saying, like the way you do anything is the way you do everything and i do Mm. get frustrated pretty quickly when things aren't going smoothly like not always but with technology for sure i'm like oh my god because you know what's gonna happen someone's gonna walk up behind me and go see you're you're just bad at technology and i'll be like go okay that's fair maybe i'm just bad at technology but maybe i'm just waiting to be told that I'm bad at technology. You know what I mean? Right. I know what you mean. So it's what's expected. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. No, I get it. I uh, I feel like I'm in the same boat right now with uh, with relationships. <clears throat> or I'm just... Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think reactionary is like my word of the year right now. Yeah. 
Can you yeah. hear the crankiness in my voice? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Um, speaking you know that I was I we were when we were speaking early and I and I heard your tone. I was mm-hmm. like, uh oh, Bridie, you gotta turn this boat around. You can't both be super grumpy. Bridie, you gotta cheer up. And so well, um but so I'm just laughing at your crankiness. Good, yes, that helps. Um <laughs> Uh, speaking of reactionary, um, there was a, there was some reaction to our episode last week, babe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, people are, (laughs) I, I kind of anticipated this a little bit, I think, but, but also I not quite in the words, I guess that were, that were used, but there's been some reaction to last week's episode where we revealed that, um, you and I don't, don't really have sex anymore. Um, there's like, people are like grieving our sex life. Yeah. Um, uh, what are some comments here? One was uh, I'm I'm very nervous. Like my heart feels like a little bit scared. Well, I'll, mad? I'll, I'll no, mad? not mad. Here, I'll read one thing that came in uh, okay. through through the DMs. Um, hi guys, long time since the beginning, listener and fan of Turn Me On. Listening to you guys has definitely helped to change and shape my approach to sex for the better. So thank you. I love the two-part episode with Private Parts Unknown. You guys had such a fun and easy vibe together. Thanks for all the openness and honesty once again. Just had to tell you that it's totally weird, but I think I'm grieving your sexual relationship. Like, I know you two are happy, but I feel sad now that I know. Are any other listeners feeling this way? Safe drive, Bridie, and all my love to Big B. I love you guys. Um, it's, It's stuff like that. I mean, we don't have to get into more, but like... There's this feeling of grief, I guess, um, which hmm. I I guess I understand to a degree. You know, it's like um, like if if uh, you know, when, like two of your good, good friends break up, and you're like, oh, and you yeah. grieve the, that that relationship. But like, we're, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're still together, and we like love each other more than we ever have, and we're super happy. But there's like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe is it? Maybe it's because we have like a quote unquote sex podcast that people are like, like you know sad that Just we aren't. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I I hear what you're saying. Those are. Um, I that. I don't really know if I know what to say to that, but I I guess my thought is too like. Um, I guess my thought what a funny thing to say I guess my thought is and then I have to wait sit here and like try to think about my thought um I feel like this podcast um is a direct result of you know us trying to work on our communication about sex and this podcast became like a, a, like a forum, like a useful forum to discuss a lot of the, like, just to get comfortable, not even discuss a lot of things that were affecting us, but just to get comfortable even like talking about it with each other. Um, and I think like having people listen and having it be valuable to other people is, was, is extremely, um, it feels very purposeful. Yeah, totally. And so, and so to me, I like, it just, 
it's our, I don't know if this is accurate. I'm just scratching my fingernails on the surface of like chakra work. But when I hear about people, especially coming up in these like next few episodes in our show, talking like talking about how creative energy and sexual energy are so intertwined and so like they it's very it's super confusing to me still and like you know dangerous and and probably like um um you know like i would imagine like a buddhist take on on what it is to like be what's that what's that word what's that word for um not celibacy but like responsibility around your sexuality um that That sort of like brahmacharya oh yeah okay from a from like a yogic sense Mm -hmm. yeah so and i feel like this podcast became how our sort of creative sexual energies came together and you know like it yeah, just seems totally. like we we made this thing from our connection and right it's like this like intimate. this is our it's this still, is our new it's sex it's like still so incredibly intimate yeah yeah, yeah right yeah. yeah 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 i mean that's uh, that's sure that's one way of looking at it i'm and i'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's someone hearing that going that's fucking bullshit no but you remember know? when but, when when it when uh, Peter Wilde was like a- acting what was better than sex like though that moment that moment of like connecting with someone in performance is it's better than anything yeah. do you remember him saying that yes and, and for those of, uh, people out there who don't know Peter Wilde was an acting teacher that we had who who is who truly is like a Canadian treasure um, uh, a very very smart man and you know I, like when he was teaching us, he was probably 180 years old. Like, like he he, he was basically um, Dumbledore uh, to our theater school. <laughs> That's so true. Um, oh my god, he's totally that same yeah. archetype. And apparently, Dumbledore was oh gay. Apparently, Dumbledore is gay too. So, so uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's there's a, right. there's a whole bunch of controversy about that. But um, yeah, Peter Wilde, he did say that, and and he, you know. Fuck, man, he was. He, sh- he certainly I was right. I feel that. I feel that. I feel that when when I know we're having a good show, like when we perform live together, I know that when even in like in the recording studio, sometimes I'm just like, oh my god, I've I fucking love this person. Yeah. That yeah. This that this is that this is how we connect. Yeah. That this is like what we produce. So. And I think the other thing to like just keep in mind for anyone who is who feels I don't know like slighted or like whatever the whatever those weird feelings are now that you know that Brady and I don't have sex in the same bed, um, like it, it it doesn't change the fact that you've been listening for as long as you've been listening and and I, you know I can't speak for everyone but the amount of people that have reached out to say the conversations that you've had on the show have like fundamentally changed my, my life in terms of my, my intimacy, intimacy with my partner or how I view myself as a sexual being or whatever. Like those things don't change. Like you, you're still listening to us because of the relationship that we have, not because of, not because of how many times my dick goes inside Bridie or how many times, you know, like, like how many, like that's, that's (laughs) not it. Like that's not what, 
And I think the thing that I've, I've taken away from from all of that um, is is that I think, you know, if you had asked me if we would be together, whatever, like eight, six, five years ago, but us not having like a continuous sexual relationship, I would have been like, yeah, probably not. That wouldn't make any sense. But now I see it and I go, oh, yeah, wait, everything's not so black and white. Like, you know, like relationships really are what you make of them. And, and there's, there can be such, um, incredible, intimate beauty that can come from, 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 uh, a romantic and loving partnership that doesn't have to involve sex. Yeah. I mean, mind you, I'm I'm having, I'm having, I'm having plenty of sex elsewhere. (laughs) Like, Like sex is still part of our, our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a good, that's a good point. We talk about that lots with Esther Perel's work and like, you know, it's, um, you can't fulfill, you might, you can't expect yourself or anybody else to fulfill 100% of anyone else's needs. And it's not to say that you and I, you know what? It's also not to say that you and I will never have sex again. Like that's, you know, that's not, Mm -hmm. uh, that's also not black and white. Yeah. Yeah, no, nothing is ever guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of always taking it one day at a friggin' time, trying to follow some sort of deep compass within ourselves. Yeah. Um, Road trips. So, so that happened this week. Navigation that was that was kind of interesting. References. Um, uh, you're, I I mean, it's probably obvious, but you are not together still. You're, you, but you're in Canada now. You, you've. Wait, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Canada. I just drove over uh, the border today. Amazing. Did you get a hard time Um, going across the border? No, it was so, so, so smooth. Nice. Um, yeah, it's always such a nice welcome home. The Canadian border patrol there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll be home pretty soon, which is exciting. Um, uh-huh. Home is uh, home. I told you, I think uh, I might not be home before until after I go to PEI. Um, I'm just trying to. F- we're rolling in like kind of right on the on the money, but I would love to. Uh, I'm love. I would really like to get home home first. Home is yeah. just something I someone brought up with someone a mutual friend of yours and I was brought up with on with me in a text message the other day and I was like oh yeah home home is another another one of those words I associate with uh, with the intimacy that that your relationship is to me me and you yeah yeah you feel like yeah. you feel like home to me you know that country song. Yeah, uh, I guess. Do I know that country song? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Although, you know what? That, I feel like I don't know, man. I feel like that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a little bit different now that uh, you, me, and Todd are all gonna be living together. <laughs> I, I, th- oh I think God. that we need. I think that we need to have a. T- we need to talk about how that's gonna work. <laughs> we do. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, why don't you um, fill everyone in on what that's all about? <laughs> Oh, what? With Todd, since, all of since, us living together? Since, since I was just kind of filled in about it uh, last week. 
No, okay, look, to be fair, we're coming home. But, but also, two uh, months earlier what's, what's than we expected. And Todd's apartment, you know, is, is rented by somebody else right now. And so we're going to live together. But there's also the van, um, which I've been living in for the last three months. So, you know what? If it gets too much for me, I have a place to go. Fuck you. If it gets too much for me, dude, <laughs> that's where I go. <laughs> okay i'm glad we I, had this talk I was, yeah yeah we will we will most certainly be having this talk again i was just picturing the other day of me waking up in the van coming out to come into the house with, to get coffee just with my robe on dick out neighbors just looking out like what the fuck is going on at that you, house? Your, your circulation is not good enough to sleep in the van it's gonna be it's way too cold at nighttime in the winter it's like nah. you don't want it to be minus 10 if it's minus 10 you can get away with it minus 10 celsius but you gotta start a fire in the morning if you want to be comfortable out there well and at night lucky for me i like starting fires so me too me too um well let's uh do you want to hit a brain boner before we throw it to this week's episode i i mean i gotta say before we do the brain boner we we so we are we're actually gearing up here to go into some recordings that we're going into the recordings that made our trip to la like truly what it was like what like like you know the recordings that you've heard so far were amazing they were great um, don't get me wrong, but the, the ones that are, are set up to come are like, they were conversations that truly like floored me. And, uh, and especially because we were talking about a lot of subject matter that like oftentimes I would, I would, you know, ingest to it to an extent, but like roll my eyes at, um, mm-hmm. and fuck man, I'm so excited for, for these episodes to hit because, um, uh, these next few guests are are fucking awesome. Um, but before we throw it to Eva and our conversation with her, um, do you want to do you want to hit a brain boner? Yeah, sure. This is a great one. Okay. <clears throat> this one came in uh, in January twenty fifth. Hello, here's a good one for you. Your recent episodes regarding libido made me think to ask you. My husband and I have been super happily married for seven and a half years, and we have always been extremely sex positive, communicative, and non-judgmental with each other. While I was recently pregnant, my husband's libido was completely gone. I wanted it all the time, and he wanted nothing to do with it. The second I popped that baby out, his libido came back, and with a vengeance. The birth of our child caused huge issues with PTSD from sexual trauma early in my life and postpartum depression, along with a completely different body from the pregnancy. Exactly a year later, I quit my cushy job and opened my own my own business for the sake of my mental health, but with owning a business comes a whole bunch of other stress. The issue we're having now is mismatched libidos. He wants it literally constantly. I myself can't even begin to think about it when I'm under intense stress. I've made a ton of progress, therapy, meditation, exercise, nutritional changes, and just general personal development have helped get a lot of my drive back, but I still immediately drop any thoughts of being sexual in the moment I'm under stress. We talk about this constantly. My therapist thinks he needs to come to terms with the fact that things are just different now, and this is just the season of our lives for the moment. Sex drives will always fluctuate. We are open to adding a third, which we have done in the past, and have even discussed opening up 
the marriage for his sake, but he's less comfortable with that than I am. I guess my question is this, should he just come to terms with the fact that my libido will be waxing and waning throughout the rest of our lives and it may never be the way it was before? Is that fair to him? Or is it unfair to to deny him those wants and needs even if I can't bring myself to do it? We've been circling back to this anytime we go more than a week without making fuck and we're both so frustrated. Anyway, thanks for any advice you have. We've tried everything we can think of at this point. Love your show and everything you're doing. Feel free to use my name, Love Dakota. Oof. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's a big one. Um, what do you think? I think it's you know when i started reading this i was like i don't have a baby i like maybe i should phone a friend and ask advice on this one because i i know there's all kinds of stuff that happens after pregnancy that i have no like experience with um but on the subject of waxing and waning libidos i feel like i have consistently encountered that in every relationship I've ever been in and um it's it's always frustrating and you know like always at the beginning of a relationship for sometimes like quite an extended period of period of time you can have this like honeymoon period sex and then and then kind of like I don't know get have some sort of like negative association with it like stress so if you start fighting Mm. about it after it's been like a week and you haven't had sex then you feel that on your back you're like oh my god it's been a week we're probably gonna fight about this soon and then you dry up you're not gonna be Mm. you're not gonna feel sexual when you know it when it becomes all of a sudden like a ticking clock or like a shoe that's gonna drop you know we're gonna fight about this if we don't have sex soon and and that's stressful Mm -hmm. so so you know as much as it's like i totally appreciate being fair and you know your partner seems like he's probably reasonable maybe maybe you can just say like talk about if that's the case if that's the where the stress comes from then you can talk about that particular stress and then tools to manage for both of you to manage the stress of like I don't know. Changing it, just like changing the habit to become a habit. Yeah. Yeah, man. I really, ah, fuck. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just because I'm, I'm brain fried and like, and, and in, and like currently in such a, such a, like negative headspace, disastrous kind of like headspace with my current relationship. Um, that I just like, I don't know what to offer, but I, I mean, I, I guess one thing I would say is like, um, when it comes to, when it comes to sex being an issue in between two partners, um, one, I think like really common pitfall is, is that, that subject matter being such a like daunting thing to approach or bring up in conversation. So when it does come up, there's already all this pressure behind it. Um, 
and and perhaps like finding a way to like really make that conversation as as regular and like consistent as as possible like to a like to a degree of like day to day um but like from a really compassionate and and gentle point of view so like knowing if you're going to be bringing it up every single day knowing that like like the language being used and the the tone of which it's brought up is is very like is very much in check and also maybe that the the amount of time and like energy that gets put into it is also put in check um like being like how's your libido today yeah exactly like casually yeah, exactly. with no pressure yeah like like a like over coffee like over morning coffee every yeah. morning it's like all right how like how are you today how do you feel about it today has anything changed since yesterday do you feel anything different in your body today than you did yesterday um you know and and maybe in finding that sort of like regular almost like like brushing your teeth kind of routine in in checking in together and like making that agreement that maybe over time you'll just start to notice like that is the is the you thing to like plant the seed to be like oh yeah I mean, you know maybe today I actually do feel um like a little bit more of a connection or maybe today I do feel a little bit more open to to in, like initiating the first move or you know whatever whatever that may be I don't know mm-hmm. um, that's really lovely mm. I think I had uh, I, I, I feel like I've that we can throw this sort of to the episode that we're about to hear because right at the end of this episode, and I wish that I had had more time, you know, after she said this to sort of dive in, um, we talked about, uh, my train of thought is like so escaping me I'm at the end of such a long traveled road, but, um, ah, God damn. It was somewhat decent. Well, I mean, what do you want to just throw it to the episode so that so that um, Eva Clay can like kind of uh, without even right. knowing offer up her two cents because I I, I feel <laughs> like you're right. Like what, what we are about to discuss um, is kind of like one of those like monumental conversation pieces about communicating about your desires, your wants, your needs, and mm-hmm. like finding ways to get those met with another partner with with like deep compassion and patience. And, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe, maybe just let her kind of speak for sum it all up, yeah, to sum it all <laughs> up in her way, because I, I agree with you. Like it's, it's, I, like I said earlier, like this, I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she talks at the end about like, you know, you know, being, being with your partner to this, to the brain boner, writer in her uh dakota um maybe there's like a a way of offering like i'm not my libido is low um i'm like but maybe this is okay like cuddling is okay or maybe you can like we can you know i just like have different kinds of intimacy that are Mm. not about sex but our connection Mm -hmm. even so physically a physical way that is like but we agree that 
that there's no pressure for it to be anything anything other than that mm-hmm. whatever which and you've voiced that a number of times too on the show but that's that's a that is a a, a sort of um, tactic that and I shouldn't say tactic I don't, I don't mean tactic but like that's a that's that's a, a a lane that you go down sometimes when you're when you're not feeling like in the mood or whatever um, mm-hmm. is just offering up a different kind of way to form intimacy and and then seeing mm-hmm. what comes out of that and sometimes it's just what it is like a massage or sometimes it leads to you know something sparking um, yeah yeah I I well I hope that helps Dakota and uh, also you know. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> like sorry. I feel like I feel like you know, Brad. I feel like you and I just need to to be in the same room again uh, to like to kind of spark up that magic that we have when we are together. Um, I feel it, babe. I feel it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I'm excited for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in for another week and uh, I think we can throw it right to it. All right, cool. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Uh, Eva Clay, um, you can find all of her stuff uh, online. She will, she will send you where to go in, in this conversation. And trust me, it's, it's, uh, it's worth taking a look at what she's up to. Cause she's, she is a very, uh, very special human. <laughs> um, she's one of those people that like, I, I just, she was, I crush on a lot of people, but like, this was like a, this was like a deep, like, like past lives type crush. Like I was, I was do you know, just smitten. Uh, do you remember Kathleen who wrote, uh, sex after baby? Why there is none. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, very much I, like that. I, very, I crush hard on that lady too. Yeah, so yeah. they're very similar. Um, we hope you enjoy it. And hey, if you have a brain boner or you just have a comment or want to uh, grieve about Brady and I's sex life, uh, you can send <laughs> us an email at termionpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, our, you know, our we booties can, are still can, going we strong. Can, we, can, we can get you through this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, butts are still going strong over on Instagram at termionpodcast if you want to reach us there. And uh, we love you all for your support. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons. And... Without further ado, enjoy this week's episode with Eva Clay. Recording right now, aren't yeah, we? we are. Yeah, so I'm, I would like, um, I got turned on to your work from Jamie uh, Walrab, who has been my vo- voice coach from time to time, and um, and so when I started like poking around on your Instagram and your website, which is amazing by the way, um, I was like, oh, this, I, I probably don't even have to give you the prompt of what are three things that come to mind because it seems like you're really you're doing a lot of really powerful work out there in the world of Tantra. And I was like, this is, this is 100% what I want to, what I want to find out more about. I find the resources online for Tantra really confusing. Like there's not, it doesn't seem very clear 
on how to use it, how to use it as a practice, not just like in intimacy and sexuality, but like, what is it? How, how does, what is, what's the difference between like tantric yoga or the practice of tantra in your lifestyle, I guess? This was, this is the impression I'm getting. Please explain. <laughs> is taunt like is tantra your jam? Like is that your your bread and butter? Uh, tantra is a tool. Yeah, uh, probably the primary tool and my favorite tool. But um, I do a lot of things in sexology. You know, I've been a sex therapist for over twenty years, and so you know, I love tantra just as much as I love science. I'm a total science geek, right? And can just you know jam on somatic science and neuroscience till the cows come home. Love it. But um, so, my understanding that your question to me is, what the fuck is tantra? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. My question. <laughs> Is it a bit of an oxymoron for someone to be like a lover of science, but also a lover of Tantra? You know, like, I, is that, or is, or is that the same? I, cause I don't know much about Tantra and I also do, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of science, but I also really like value my yoga practice. Is it kind of one and the same? It, there's a convergence mm. and it's really just how you language it in, in my opinion, because I, I love both of these paths equally. Mm hmm. And, um, you know, I am a former professor of neuroscience. Are you really? Well, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You're, you're, when Bridie mentioned your website being pretty badass, she was reading it on the drive. We were driving somewhere yesterday and she kind of like read off your website and it, it's like extensive. Like you've, you've had a, you've had a, you've had quite a career, uh, it seems. So you, you did, you've done work with Esther Perel. Yeah, early on I did. Very cool. Yeah, because um, I'm a psychotherapist, mm. and, you know, by training and an academic. That's where I come from. And I always had a kind of mm, secret spiritual life, secret sexual life, um, you know, living a, a, in a dual reality as an academic and professor and psychotherapist and all that kind of cool nerdy stuff. And then on the side, I was going to sex parties and Burning Man and, <laughs> yeah, right. and whatnot. And so... Um, uh, you're meeting me at a at a point in time where those paths have converged and everything is integrated. And so that's what you see on my website is the mm -hmm. whole of me. It's yeah. a beautiful um, package. And what I mean by that is um, Jeremy and I are both yoga teachers. I have an, we were both actors or both have an acting background and now we podcast and also I work in film and sometimes I'm waiting for that day where it all sort of makes sense. Like all of the pieces. It will. And when I looked at your CV, I was like, this is someone to me, it seems who's followed their curiosity until, or, and continues probably to do so until it, like every it minute takes shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, what, it, what yeah. put you on that path? Like what, why, why, um, I guess like the, especially in terms of for, for our listeners and, and the topics that we mostly cover on our show, like why sex? What was the, what drew you to becoming a sexologist? <laughs> it's all those planets in Scorpio from what I'm told. Are you Scorpion? Scorpio? <laughs> Almost all my planets are in Scorpio and Capricorn. Mm. So, um, it makes me really ambitious and really sexual. So interesting. Yeah. Is that a Capricorn thing? Being yeah. Really sexual? No, very ambitious. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes, that makes <laughs> sense. Capricorn. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. Great. You're always climbing the ladder more, more, more. Mm -hmm. up, up, up. Um, but okay. So to honor your question, what, you know, what my path was, um, 
I was always just really interested in human sexuality and and connection and intimacy. You know, I've I've heard people like Esther Perel or Dr. Ruth describe being very sexual as children. And not just sexual in their behavior, but in their curiosity, like, oh, how, you know, how does this work? And how do animals do it? And what, you know, the kind of science of it. And I think it's, you know, I don't think I'm sure it's a soul path. It's a soul calling. And there wasn't really like a necessarily a pivotal moment for me where I decided to study sex. I did have a pretty racy personal experience that um, clarified my path and maybe that would be fun to share that story with yeah, you. That's totally. what you want. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's kind of racy, but you'll appreciate it, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'd been a psychotherapist, licensed and practicing, um, really working in women's sexual wellness. Like I worked for Planned Parenthood and I ran a rape treatment clinic and a battered women's shelter and like really working on the front lines of sexual wellness and trauma recovery. And I went through a divorce and decided that I would live a polyamorous lifestyle after that really as an exploration and curiosity. And I went headlong into poly world, poly swinger, play party world, and, you know, sex and drugs, woohoo. It was really fun. Woohoo indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and also being very active in the psychedelic world and psychedelic therapy. So, you know, that converged at a point. And after a couple years of doing that, I had a spiritual awakening and after one particularly rowdy weekend, I was kind of coming down off my drugs and went for a hike in the forest just to kind of rejuvenate. And uh, I was struck. I was struck energetically by a being and a voice appeared. And the voice was a female voice and it very sternly said to me, stop it. This is not your path. And I suddenly had this realization, I had this felt sense of all of the traffic that I had been exposing my body to. And not in any moral sense that it's wrong to do that, but in the sense that my body was inundated with other people's energy and it was clouding me. And it was so stern and clear, I went into a year of celibacy to understand. Well, this is not to cut you off, but this is, um, you're the third person in the last two days who we've spoken to who have like dived into this idea of just a a purposeful year of celibacy. And I'm, and, and yesterday I was questioning when we were speaking with Annabelle, I was like, I, I wonder like, is this something that I should, I should be thinking about? Like it, it crossed my mind because I, in my mind, I could never imagine the thought of taking a year off from being sexual or, you know, sexually connecting with somebody else. Uh, and now, now I'm sitting here, we're talking about like stars aligning. and like, like, is this the voice? I'm like, oh, fuck, this is the voice. It's in the, it's in the back of the band telling me right now. <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, continue. Um, yeah, so that year of celibacy was probably the best thing I ever did because that's when I began to study Tantra. Mm. And because I'd heard like, oh, in Tantra, you don't orgasm or whatever. And I had, you know, these assumptions like a lot of us do about what Tantra is. And uh, so I was very active in practicing and studying Tantra all the while I was not sexual. 
So I understood it from a lens of more of experiencing it in my own body and how sexual energy actually feels and how it runs and what is the nature of it in my reality. And I came out of that year uh, a new person and with a different sense of boundary and integrity over my body and a better Hmm. um, sense of discernment about what I really wanted as a sexual being. And so I became really fired up to teach it. How did you relate to sex afterwards? Like what, like you're going forward from that, that moment of, of coming out of that, that celibacy. Um, what were those first sexual experiences like? Incredible. And, and I love your, your question. Like how did sex change or how did my relationship to sex change? And this just came to me. It went from being an experience of scintillation into an experience of the sacred. Did you say scintillation? Scintillation. Scintilla- what is that word? Scintillating. That it was a thrill. Mm, okay. And I began to see how even all of that sex was a way of avoiding intimacy. Right. And that actually being present and in integrity with my body and sober in my body when I make love. Because, you know, from then on, I implemented a policy of like only sobriety mm. for lovemaking which was a total 180 from what I had been doing. Like all of this, like, you know, LSD and sex and mushrooms and sex and MDMA and sex. And, and I was like, no, only sobriety. And it was actually way more exciting and fulfilling and nourishing. And I began to see sex as a food, Mm. as a nutrient. And, um, the the ride that I had been on, that ride of scintillation of like thrill seeking and novelty and intensity blew out my circuits. And I had to like do the year to reset my metabolism, my sexual metabolism. Mm. And so when I re-entered it, even just the slightest, I want to touch you, even just the slightest sort of hovering of someone's hand over my skin or the way that we would breathe together, or the, the tiniest tickle, mm would send me to orgasm it it really like what you're saying right now uh very much reminds me of this quote that i mean you've recited countless times throughout the podcast uh i i believe it was esther perel who says sex is not a thing that you do it's a place that you go yes and like that sounds like you are going to a place yes you know Blast off. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas before, like with the 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 scintillating, did, did I get that? Mm-hmm. Scintillating. I gotta add that to my pocket. I like that word. <laughs> the scintillating experience seems like it was more of a thing that you were just doing, and then and then after coming out of come like after that year of you know a hiatus, and then coming back to it with new fresh eyes, it's it's all of a sudden this place that you are you're going like it's it became a prayer it mm. became my religion mm. what, what were you were you in the world of sexology at that point or was it like how far how long ago was this what this is 10 years ago 12 years ago okay um was i in the world of sexology i was in the world of western psychology right um i was also a very spiritual being and very alternative but that was like again separate and I was still, because I was in academia, so I was like, you know, playing by the book. 
coloring inside the lines in terms of my clinical practice. And so I was sex positive, but I, I hadn't connected with Tantra. You know, it, um, I was a yogi and loved yoga. I've always loved yoga, but I just hadn't connected with it. It wasn't time on my path. And then it became time and it came up strongly. And I, this is my path now. And I, so I have all the clinical background still that I use and mm. I jam on, but my, I lead with this knowing that sex is sacred and that we're only using a fraction of our capacity when it comes to experiencing pleasure, experiencing exalted states where we actually feel the divine. Mm. And it's even hard to put into words. It's trying to like trying to tell someone what it's like to trip on acid. Like, yeah, there are no words. But <laughs> we, we are only operating at a at a fraction of our potential. Mm. And in terms of intimacy and the way that we experience our lovers or the other, whatever that means to you, is there's such a deeper chamber that we can enter together. Like we enter the temple together, and that's primarily what I love Tantra for is that it, it rewired my attachment system, my attachment style. I went from avoidant attachment, which is what all the sex was about. Right. Paradoxically to being really healthy, adjusted attachment style. Turn me on. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. 
So it just, yeah, I, then I started working with other Tantra teachers and, and, you know, it led me to my primary Tantra teacher for the last decade, um, whom I love and adore and I've studied with. And, and it just, yeah, pulled up this whole world. You know, sometimes you discover something and you're like, oh, that's a thing. Mm. Oh, wow, that's a whole world. And you weave into it. Did this happen during your year of celibacy or was this? Yes. Okay. I sort of similar, I guess, to Jeremy's question. I, I'm curious for myself and for our listeners in that year, how did you dig into this? How did this transformation, I'm sure didn't happen overnight in that, from that one Tantra class, you said you were, you were, it sounded like investigating and processing and looking and searching and what were the resources you used and like what 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 guideposts on your on your path were there yeah i call them breadcrumbs you know when spirit guides you down a path and uh, i'm very blessed to live in southern california where there's a lot of everything going on Mm -hmm. and so there you know and in santa monica i think there are more yoga studios per capita than anywhere else in the world is that a fact? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't really surprise me. It makes sense. sense. I mean, where yeah. else in the world are there more yeah, yoga students? Yeah. Nowhere. There's yeah. nowhere. So um, I'm very blessed in that regard. And so there are a lot of resources available to me here. And I just started pulling threads. And, you know, there's a global Tantra community and many different sects and schools of Tantra, just like yoga and many branches of Tantra. And mostly uh, I followed my curiosity and followed the signs um, and followed the people. So a beautiful thing about practicing Tantra uh, is that it's done in an embodied way. So you're in person and you're interfacing with lots of different people. Mm. So like such as a tantric puja where you're interfacing with everybody in the class anywhere from 10 to a hundred people in one ta- you know, one class, one workshop. So I started to meet all kinds of people who had a shared interest and the other beautiful thing about that in the Tantra kind of paradigm is that you get to enter a sink, a limbic sink with many different people in one sitting. So I, for example, I spend two minutes or five minutes with one person, then you move on, then you move on, then you move on. This is the puja style. And it's the ultimate polyamory to me. What, what are you doing? Like, what is the, you know, like I'm, I... It's not an asana, right? You're not, it's not, it, is so it just like a, just a, a yeah. connection, like through eye, eye contact? And, that's one part. Eye right. gazing. Eye gazing yeah. is yeah, that's right, okay. the, the famous one. And because I love science, I'll drop a little. Yeah. That um, Tantra, essentially, if, you know, to explain it in a medical model, are a series of exercises, poses, and activities that allow two or more people to enter a nervous system sink. Mm, okay. So where you're firing mirror neurons and lighting up your dopamine reward circuits. And so it creates incentive to do more of that. And when we enter that deep state of bonding with another person, you know, the brain releases oxytocin and adrenaline and all these like feel good neurohormones and endorphins. And so when you're doing that repeatedly with several different partners in one night, mm. um, like I said, it's the ultimate polyamory, and yet you're not even touching. Right? Is this is this like this? Are you, is the um, is the objective to stimulate like a parasympathetic nervous system response, or is it more, or is it it's it can be both? It's like sympathetic and parasympathetic. 
It, it can be both. And right. it, it always is both. And um, because you need both sides to feel aroused. Right. Sure. So you need to be relaxed and excited at the same time. Yeah, you yeah, don't just right. want to like fall asleep and go vegetative on your partner. So you, it's a little bit of both. Um, but certainly it's it's down-regulating. You know, when you, if you've ever eye-gazed for you or, or your listeners in this podcast, eye-gazed with someone for long enough, it takes about 20 seconds minimum <clears throat> and up to one minute of eye-gazing. And then your brain will enter an involuntary sink. So this is autonomic in the body, meaning we're not really in strong regulation over it, like blinking. And nature has us wired this way so that we bond and stay in tribal units. Mm. So when that happens, then all the feel-good hormones start to surge, the oxytocin, et cetera, and you feel super blissed out. Yeah. So you're getting high off of connection. And this is why I don't do, do drugs with sex anymore is because I realized I'm really missing out on the best high available that's mm. already circulating in my body. Mm-hmm. There's no come down, no hangover, yeah, no right, side effects. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's actually really uh, so good for your nervous system and your immunity and your brain. And mm. you know, like it just, it's like the ultimate superfood. It just juices your intelligence and everything about you. So I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna like get smarter by doing this and I'm gonna be happier and I'm gonna look younger and I'm gonna lose weight faster, whatever. Uh, and it, yeah, it's like a multivitamin. The cure-all, yeah. It, it really is. Do you find it's it's similar to drugs in that like, because um, I've I've done I've done eye gazing uh, exercises before, in particular like during theater school. Theater school and a lot of like breathing, like back to back breathing, yeah. like. But the the one thing I remember from that one particular exercise, I was sitting across from Virginia. a woman in my class named Virgilia. And we had never, I'd never done, I'd never sat and like stared into someone's eyes for any extended period of time in my entire life up to this point. And I'm sitting with Virgilia and I know Virgilia pretty well. You know, it's a small class of 20. We've been spending 48 to 50 hours a week together for the last like two and a half years. And we sit down and I'm staring into her eyes and it this it was so overwhelming similar to like the first time i've ever gotten really high off some sort like you know my first foray into psychedelics where it's like it's almost too too much and i'm not really i'm not ready maybe i'm not ready for the dose that i just took and part of me is like wanting to pull back wanting to to escape because it's so it's so intense and i remember just bawling like just weeping and her weeping back even holy fuck even just talking about it mm-hmm. oh my god even just talking about it just like brings me back to that moment it was so intense <laughs> i had a question there <laughs> um i think my question was do you do you have you in this practice and being a part of this um being a in this practice, have you seen that type of response to people who have, are sort of new to Tantra where they're like, what the fuck is going on? And just to piggyback on that, it what's the brain science on <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, right. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, all the time. Yeah. And yeah. 
the other thing is thank you for making a beautiful case for Tantra. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can can see the emotion welling up in your eyes now, even remembering that experience. And to tie in the brain science, you know, we're living in a world, obviously we're all feeling disconnected. Like we we are losing our mm, opportunities Mm. to bond and to connect and to reflect and mirror each other, which is essential for our well-being and for the whole fabric of our tribal existence. We're Mm -hmm. tribal beings and we're losing that. So when we come into an environment where we're eye-gazing, and granted, Tantra is a lot of other things in addition to eye-gazing, but um, and your nervous system is not titrated to that yet. We're not accustomed to walking around staring people in the eye or breathing together or necessarily touching Mm -hmm. even, Mm -hmm. especially in L.A. You know, we don't have subways and such where we're bumping up against other bodies. Mm -hmm. We're in our cars. Um, It can really flood the nervous system. And so you're offering an example where sympathetic and parasympathetic both get activated at the same time because it's both really scary to do that and blissful. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And so certainly people break down, there are tears, there are breakthroughs, there are meltdowns. And that's kind of a threshold that one would pass through. And on the other side of that threshold, it's just bliss. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the science around that is, you know, I think what I just saw you experience where you welled up remembering is that that created a kind of bookmark in your nervous system. And the body remembers that on a cellular level the intensity of that experience. Mm. And yet you'll find that it can get sort of like addicting in a good way. Like yoga, like suddenly you want to go every day and you're like, Oh, I want to feel that good because your, your body craves it. It's like a nutrient you're missing and you don't even know you're missing it. The analogy I run to that is sometimes do you ever take a drink of water and then suddenly you realize how thirsty and dehydrated you are and then you're gulp gulp guzzling guzzling gulp that's what tantra is often like interesting huh yeah something that has come up for me while you're uh speaking about this is um so i've also been in in uh circles with people in our class and connecting in that way and then i've you know, I've participated drop in like voice classes with Jamie where it's like it, you're also getting very up close and personal and in people's energetic space and like putting your hands on people sometimes. And, um, the fear of, uh, someone, (laughs) no, I'm going to well up (laughs) of someone, um, who you are, uh, trying to open yourself across from, the fear of them taking too much. I don't even know what that means exactly, but it is the same thing. It's the same fear uh, uh, physically, since the sensations of it, of making eye contact for too long on the street with someone who's passing by. What are they, what are they going to get the wrong impression? Or, or, you know, are they going to take advantage of my openness? Um, can you speak to that fear? Because I'm sure that's that must be common as well, especially for, for women. Definitely. And, and again, we've been acculturated out of many very natural and human modes of contact. Mm. And it's really all about context. So when you're 
walking along the street and you're staring intently at someone, it may not be an appropriate social cue, Mm -hmm. depending on the culture, such as if you're in Asia, it's very inappropriate to make direct eye contact. Um, If you're in California, it's very appropriate when you're ordering your Starbucks at the counter to like gaze lovingly into the eye of your barista. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, within, within, the auspices of Tantra, you know, everyone is gathered for the same reason and is to learn how to connect with themselves, with God and the other. And so in terms of boundary, which is what really what I hear your question being. Yeah. Um, what I've learned in Tantra is that we really have command over our energetic centers. And so this is a very subtle art. Okay. But that when you're standing across from someone, you can begin to discern with so much precision and clarity what they're after, what they're offering and what they're looking for. And instead of simply turning away from that person or shutting down or labeling them, castigating them, just offer something different in a different way. So you can feel when a man is trying to connect with you with his cock. Mm-hmm. With, with his sexual center, you can just feel that, right? You can mm-hmm. sense it. So my response to that would be not available. Mm. But this is what is. I'm pointing at my heart right now. So you can shine your heart light mm. into this being. And it's absolutely miraculous to see how your partner will shift depending on the energy you're offering them and where you're open and where you're closed. Mm. So there's this subtle energetic interplay that you begin to become aware of. It's like growing eyes uh, in new places in your consciousness that you can see and discern things at um, at a finer level and enter that into lovemaking. Mm. Wow. We did an exercise in um, acting school uh, led by our teacher, Cynthia Asperger, and she was a mindfulness uh, uh um, she was she was always training herself in in mindfulness and in her uh, Buddhist practice too I believe um, and she had us do this acting exercise just you know I was a little older in the class but you know think about a bunch of eighteen year olds doing this exercise where they stand across from each other and all you're allowed to say is I'm expanding or I'm contracting and it's awesome. just <laughs> tuning that. in to that's that, so tantra that yeah. opening and that closing and I and I have only just started to use it in my relationship with my boyfriend where I'm like, I'm, con- I'm contracting in whether it's sexually or in argument or whatever. And it's, and thankfully, even though he's doesn't have the same background as us, um, maybe it's cause he's a Scorpio. He, <laughs> he seems to really get that when I'm like, I'm contracting. And so this does not feel comfortable. That touch does not feel comfortable right now, even though it might on a different day, it might totally make me expand. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm closed and I'm closing tighter. And I, and I, that close, that closing maybe is gets, I get confused with the boundary thing from time to time. But, um, I think that's a, a really useful, that's been a really useful practice to me and something that I think is pretty accessible to the average person off who has no theater training or no yoga training you know to even notice that feeling of oh i'm i'm actually opening and softening and and landing or whatever the words the verbs are that resonate or i'm closing i'm retreating i'm contracting 
Great. So then take that a step deeper. And this would be offered as an invitation to the two of you and anyone who's listening Mm. to understand that normally we don't close all the way as a whole being or open all the way as a whole being, Mm. but we open and close in different parts of our being. So you could even say, my heart is opening to you, but my mind is closing because I'm thinking of something else. I'm feeling defensive. Would that be a closing? Like my brain, my thoughts are all about how much I don't like you in this moment, mm-hmm. but my, I'm trying so hard to mm-hmm. soften my heart. Mm-hmm. Or my pussy's open to you in this moment, but not my heart. Mm. <laughs> or my heart, not my pussy. You know, so you can think of yourself as a whole bodied person and parts of you may, usually this is how we do intimacy, that there are parts of us that want to connect and parts of us that do not and parts of us that are curious but not sure. So we naturally contain a whole lot of ambivalence as human beings about connection. And most of the time we're lying about it. We're saying we're all the way open, but we're not. Or we're all, I'm closed, but we're not. So we can begin to part, you know, become even more specified in our openings and closings. I like that. What does your day-to-day practice look like? <laughs> like, like, like you're... Um, you're going, you're going to cross the border into Canada and TSA is like, what do you, what what do you do for a living? (laughs) Like, what, what, what do you do right now? Yeah, that's funny. I I keep meaning to do a video on like my average day. It's, it's so fucking cool. I have like the (laughs) best life. (laughs) I mean, even like today, I'll, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, um, I, I just talk about sex all day. Right. And so I, I see private clients, uh, for sex, mm, mm, sex therapy, sex coaching. I don't really like to call it sex therapy because that implies there's a problem, but really sexuality coaching. So, um, I help women have orgasms. I help couples have juicy sex lives and it's just so fun. And then I write, I create, I Mm. use my thoughts and ideas and put them out into the world. I make videos. I, you know, I speak into things. Um, This week I filmed a TV spot in Hollywood because I live in LA and you know, why not? It's all here. Uh, And then I come and do a podcast and then (laughs) Mm -hmm. I go for a walk on the beach and definitely do a lot of yoga and a lot of kundalini yoga. Mm. And I study relentlessly every day. I have like my learning hour where I read and I study and I keep sharpening my Mm. skills and my knowledge because what I do is not just a knowledge based application. It, It takes a lot of skill to do what I do. So I'm just, I'm always growing. Where do you, like, where do you find your clientele? Like, or, or how do they find you? Yeah, uh, they find me on social media. They find me word of mouth. Um, they come from, come from a lot of different places. Or yeah. maybe, maybe I'll, I'll spin that question a little bit differently. What, um, who, you know, speaking of, of, uh, couples as clients to like give them a, you know, more juicy sex life. Uh, are, th- are those couples, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but like are, are, as an example of those couples, like people that are having, um, people that, that are having issues or problems in their sex life or people that are just, things are great, but they just, they know things could be better. So wh- why not go see Eva? 
Yeah, really both. It's funny you mentioned that because I have a you know couples that are coming this afternoon to work with me and they're like, we've been together eight months. Our sex is amazing. The best sexual part I've ever had, but we want to keep it that way. Mm. So oh, hallelujah, you know, we need yeah. more of that in the world. Um, I also see couples where they haven't had sex in 20 years mm. or he's he has erectile dysfunction or she has severe sexual trauma. Uh, she's uh, this is the most common thing I work with and it drives me fucking crazy Are women over 40 who have never had an orgasm mm. the reason it drives me crazy is because how prevalent this really is and how easy their solution is but it, yet it's not readily available to them so they come in feeling broken and, and defective <coughs> So I, you know, greatly endeavor to correct that, not just at the level of my clients, but on at the global level, mm. really is sex education. That's probably my first passion. How, how do you, how do you manage, we get a lot of, a part of our show is, is um, people write in uh, with questions and we offer um very non-professional <laughs> advice from a friend like that's yeah. you know that's that's where we're coming from disclaimer yeah, yeah. That's good. um uh but I'll, I'll, we've had a number of people write in who have who have um talked about just that like uh, f- females or you know uh persons with with vulva who write in and say i've never had an orgasm or i can't orgasm with a partner. I, yeah, with I, a partner. I've never had an orgasm with a partner. A like yeah. I can make myself come, but no one's ever made me come. Um, and I mean, our response to that is always, I, I'm I'm always like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And Brady, you, you, you speak pretty elo- eloquently to that subject. I, I think when we, when we hit those questions, but what, what, what are some of the tools that you typically use when, when a client comes in and, and that's their, one of their primary issues or one of their primary concerns. So if you're a woman that has never had an orgasm, the first and most important thing to know is that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. When women fall under the belief, and this is largely ingrained by our society, by media and by men, men who just lack the education, that are their, their sexual partners, I should say, but mostly <laughs> of the male persuasion, that when they're under the belief that they're broken, um, it makes it very difficult to experience an orgasm from that state of being, from that state of consciousness. Um, Women are so intrinsically connected with their genitals. It's like our whole consciousness is pulsing there, is alive there in the vulva, the pussy. And when we see her as gross, dysfunctional, broken, disgusting, dead, or whatever it is, a lot of women see this as, um, we can't innervate properly. We can't innervate. So like the... What's innervate? God, I'm just getting so many good words today. This is great. (laughs) Stay tuned. We're going to hear the words innervate and... What is it? Scintillating? Scintillating. Scintillating. We're going to be hearing this a lot over the next few weeks. I'm going to be spewing that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Good. Yes. Learn, learn. Um, so innervate. So it means our nerve pathways. Mm. And in order for a woman to have climax and 
granted, there are different kinds of climax, I'm sure, as you know. There's the masculine climax, and then there's the feminine orgasm. But in order for a woman to reach her full peak pleasure potential, we'll call it, she needs to um, have the nerve pathways between her genitals and her brain to be functional so that it can send signal. Mm. So when we're numb and we shut down, either there's trauma or whatever is happening in the body, um, a woman will often autonomically shut down that signal so that she literally can't feel sensations in Mm. her vulva. And then, of course, the brain interprets the sensation. So if she has trauma or other kinds of programming, which most of us do, she might interpret sensation, touch, or arousal as being bad. Right. So the brain will not categorize it as a good thing. Is that that what leads to like vulvodynia or like uh, like vaginismus, like those types of things? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we have to rewrite the script inside the body Mm. and inside the brain so that she begins to recognize sensation. I use herself. So you have no idea how many times a week I guide women in self-pleasuring. And we do, we do this virtually over, you know, video chat and they just turn off their video and I'm guiding them at home in self-pleasure. Whoa. And I just hear so many women orgasm for the first time. And it's like the best thing ever. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. You do have the coolest job. I do. <laughs> I like you're do. like an orgasm doula. I am an orgasm doula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the orgasm doula. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. So we get those their circuits turned on and get them reinterpreting, you know, interpreting sensation in a new way. Okay. The Possibly. other, another, you know, common, really common question we get from people is uh, that they're having, they're, they're, they have a libido, but their partner doesn't, or their partner has a wild libido and they don't, and is the only option to have other partners and questions like that. And, and libido to me, I think I went on a, a bit of a nervous breakdown about yeah, it the other day. We, we had I went a bit, on of, a a bit of a rant on the show. about like, what, what is this? Is it, a th- is it, it seems sometimes it feels like shackles this mm. term this idea of libido and i is that is it a thing that does exist and that you can have like are you asking is libido a construct yeah essentially right yeah is that's, it that's I, a don't, great question. I don't know that's a great question jeremy <laughs> that's my question it sounds like a it sounds like a pretty legit medical term libido you know but i don't fucking know i do all right <laughs> Leave it to the orgasm doula. <laughs> yeah, ah, libido. It's a great mystery. Mm. You know, it's, it's an it's an art and a science. And I, I think the word libido really comes from a Western medical model, which looks operates mostly on hormones. You know, so when a couple is disconcordant, as we call it, like one has a higher libido than the other, we also have to look at. I'm going to sound like um, a therapist right now, but you have to look at the whole context of the person, the person in their context and the whole kind of pie of their life to look at what are they eating? You know, are they eating crap that's loaded with artificial hormones and synthetic preservatives and et cetera, that's suppressing their testosterone or their estrogen or what their testosterone really is what's responsible for libido. 
Um, do they have trauma? Do what's unspoken in the relationship? What are the withholds in their communication? Um, this is, in my experience, the most common shutdown of women's desire for sex is unresolved issues in the relationship. And it tends to deposit inside the woman's body, not the man's, more commonly. I'm speaking very gender normative here, mm -hmm. and that's just what it is. So, because women are the repository, we store the dynamics of the relationship. And so, most commonly, what I see in my practice is a couple who comes in and the woman has lost her desire for sex. And um, to me, it, it's just a microcosm of a larger issue going on in the relationship. And we have to unwind that. And it was Esther Perel who said one of my favorite quotes of all time is so useful. She said, it's not that women lose desire for sex. They lose desire for the sex they believe is possible. Huh. Why? Because they're fucking bored. Because their partner isn't attuning with them. Their orgasm doesn't come first. Their pleasure is not the priority. Their safety is not the priority, etc. These are all the reasons that I hear. So just to clarify, do you mean that they lose the desire for the sex that's essentially like sitting across the room from them? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they lose desire for the sex that's available to them. Mm. Mm. So, um meaning they're having sex this is my interpretation okay what i see anecdotally but they're having sex in the patriarchal fashion can this can this be can this can this be viewed in the like the inverse like from because like we, we we also get uh oftentimes we'll get like a an email from a couple where it's the man who Mm -hmm. seems to have like lost his libido but the woman is like i'm so i'm so horny and so ready to like make love to my partner and whenever we do it's incredible but he's barely there to to make it happen like it, actually i think we literally we just, just wrote, answered, like yeah. we just t talked about that like, certainly written in yeah and certainly is it sort of this is it different dynamics in okay. my again in my experience sure, sure. um the first thing I look at, and this is not going to be a popular response. Oh, he agrees. <laughs> <laughs> Say it He's already yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm not, not generalizing. I'm not saying this is true in every regard, but it's very common in my practice that if the man has lost his desire for sex, um, he's most likely engaging in a lot of porn. Right. Of porn? Yeah, right. Right. Also for men more often there's a testosterone disturbance so they're low in testosterone like I mentioned um, high stress lifestyle mm. um, I hear this a lot like he's so busy with work all he all he comes all he does is work he, I don't get the attention that I need he doesn't even want to make love when he comes home he's too tired he's so stressed there's yeah, so right. much cortisol in the body that mm. that's also a testosterone disruptor um, another big reason is you know this is maybe more psychodynamic in its orientation, but men thrive on challenge and they thrive on novelty. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yep. Challenge I can relate to that. And novelty. So, yeah. And this is testosterone in effect. Mm. And so 
depending on the relationship, if he's lost that in his partnership, uh, you know, a sense of novelty that they're expanding and exploring new ways of making love and new ways of having pleasure, or she's no longer a challenge to him. Mm-hmm. Or his life is no longer a challenge to him. You know, he's getting on the four or five freeway and commuting two hours to work every day and sitting at his cubicles at a desk and coming home. So, like, if his life is not invigorating to him, men more so than women in this regard will lose their libido, shut down. Mm. So, he needs to be challenged. You know, so sometimes I'll send clients, like, you need to go climb a mountain. You need to go join a basketball team. You need to like go be with a pack of men mm. and reconnect with your animal and go get a hormone panel. Mm. Yeah. There, yeah. Like I, I feel like one of the sort of like cure-all sort of uh, suggestions that that I've, I've always kind of come across or read or heard of when people are like, oh, I'm, like my, my sex life is kind of suffering is people, you know, like work out. Like find, find a, find a, like, are you living an active lifestyle? Cause if you're not, that's, that's most certainly going to take a toll on your, your sex life. Mm-hmm. And th- whenever I feel that, like whenever I, I, cause I've, I've gone through that whenever I have that sense that that's, that my sex or my desire to have sex is like waning. I oftentimes will reflect and go, Oh fuck. Yeah. But you've been, you've been, sedentary as hell over the last like month you know like Mm -hmm. recovering from a pneumonia Pneumonia. or something and then and then taking three weeks to try to bounce back but really just laying around and it always tends to be those times where my desire for sex is is the lowest yeah and then finding you know getting back into some sort of routine it's like yeah doesn't it seem like that really is the mm -hmm. The primary problem of our existence is stress in a sedentary lifestyle. Mm, mm-hmm. And people don't like to hear that. No. When they come into the office, they want me to wave the magic wand. They want the new yeah. sex toy, the new sex trick or whatever. I'm like, get off your ass. Yeah. Or they, they hear it and <laughs> they go, they go, turn I the know, game off and go then, outside. Yeah, then they just don't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's well, same with everything. It's yeah. like, you're not, not feeling so well, then yeah. What are you eating? Yeah. How are you moving your body? Yeah. Are you getting fresh air into your yeah. lungs? Yeah. Good sex requires taking good care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like acting, you know? It's your your body is your tool. Yeah. Do you mind if we close up? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got it. It's a bit of a, a, a slidey. It's got a little chilly all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. I can close that one too if you if you like. Um, we, we're, we're coming up to time here. Um, was there anything that you... That you wanted oh, to I like... could talk to you all day. You know, I mean, <laughs> like neuroscience. I, I've got the the brain that heals itself back there. On my last re- road trip, I read the his his first book, "The Brain That Changes Itself." I'm like such a geek for um, learning that. Not like I don't want to be a doctor or anything, but as a hobby, it's a big interest of mine. And um, and you know, I I guess I I think we got a ton. I I already have a ton out of this conversation but if we were going to talk all day i'd be like you know you want the science yeah i want yeah, the science so and, and you know yeah. what's sapiosexual i mean someone so yeah someone who gets off on smarts intelligence uh-huh. yes 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 big time yeah. um so i guess we'll just ask you if there's anything you think that uh is there a should... word sorry is there a word sapiosexual it's so sapiosexual is like getting off on on intelligence is there one for humor 
That's we could make it. Yeah, yeah. we can make yeah. one. <laughs> That's a big one for me. Because I think I'm that. Yeah. Yeah. When I meet a really funny, really funny gal. That's it. That's it. Does it? Yeah. Let me see if I know any jokes. That does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you think of that word, let me know. Yeah, Get yeah. I'll have, have to, I'll have to chew on that one. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off there. Oh, I know. Is there anything you think we should uh, cover or touch on to cap off this or to well, bring us to a close? How do people find you? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, one thing that I, you know, we were, uh, as you know, we're from Canada. Bridie's in the middle of, you know, traveling across the continent. Um, and a lot of our listeners are up in Canada. But you've you've also mentioned that, like, some of your work is online. and, and Yeah, I, uh, the majority of my work is online. So sweet. How, I, do people, how do people get involved or, or see what you're up to? EvaClay.com. And I have two different online courses that I run every year. And then some things I do in person, retreats and whatnot. So I really have a global audience um, work internationally. So it's easy to find me and come on board. You know, my group programs are for women and my online courses are for women around orgasm and pleasure and relating to men as, you know, seducing men. I love this sacred seduction is my new thing. I love it so much. Cool. Yeah. I like that. I'm putting sacred in front of all of my conversations about sex from now on. Yeah. Well, Eva, this is a, it's been such a pleasure to, to sit down in the van and, and <laughs> shoot the shit with you. Um, mm-hmm. I knew again yesterday when we were kind of reading your website, uh, which is really a really well done website. Like your website's good. Who does your, do you do it yourself? Or you got it? I, ha- I had a designer. Yeah. They, yeah they just, really who just got me. It's, yeah. a, it's a great yeah. website. Yeah. Uh, but I, I knew that this was going to be a, a pretty, uh, eye-opening and uh, kind of like highlight mm-hmm. conversation for this trip that we're on. So, and it, it most certainly didn't disappoint. So thank you mm. so much. Mm, my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for spreading the good word. Yeah. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, we'll be back next week with another fascinating episode. Can we fucking tough to top this one though? Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, while you wait for that, in the meantime, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button and uh, tell three of your closest friends to do the exact same thing. It only takes a second. Mm-hmm. And then while you're over there, you're on a computer or you're on a phone, you might as well pop over to patreon.com slash turn me on and support us with your hard earned cash. Uh, this trip uh, to LA where we're having these wonderful conversations like uh, like we're having right now wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the support that we've had on Patreon. So to everybody who has um, become a patron or has been a patron or is currently a patron, we love you. And for everyone who's been thinking about it, we don't love you as much, but we will <laughs> for sure start loving you real hard once you head on over there and hit that... Uh, hit that subscribe button and you can reach out to us at turnmeonpodcast.gmail.com or right through our website turnmeonpodcast.com we'd love to hear from you uh that's all for this week until next week go fuck yourself
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.